Our uh, scripture lesson today is taken from uh, both the 11th chapter and the 12th chapter of Hebrews. And the 11th chapter, it's the first three verses. In the 12th, it's the first one and a half verses. So uh, hear these words. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith, our ancestors uh, received approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? We are grateful, O God, for those who taught us by their example, their courage, and their faith how to believe. We are grateful that they are part of a great cloud of witnesses who surround us and continue to sustain us. So in this time together, speak to us a word of comfort and challenge us to believe. In Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Well, I have been uh, mesmerized by Ken Burns' documentary entitled The War. Now, I don't know if you've seen that. The, The War came out, I believe, in 2007, but I've been watching it recently on Amazon Prime. I've watched nearly all of it, and actually I've watched several segments of it a second time. I don't know that I've ever seen anything so truthful about the reality of war, about how unromantic it is, about how ghastly it can be, how tragic it almost always is. And I don't know that I've ever seen anything so unflinchingly portrays the suffering and sacrifice of the combatants, uh, young men fighting for survival, thrown into battles to the death, and the civilians caught in the middle and the dreadful price they pay. Now, I paid particular attention to one segment in that series. It's the segment on Saipan, one of the Mariana Islands in the Pacific. It's the scene of one of the very worst of the uh, fights between our U.S. Marines and Japanese soldier. Indeed, in that battle, over a series of days, every American Marine died. It was where Mac Watts died. Mac was my mother's cousin. I have a picture of him standing in front of my grandparents' house in his uniform, smiling at the camera. He was 22 years old in 1944 when he was killed. Never married, never had children, didn't live a long life. Now, my grandmother was his aunt, and she kept that picture on her desk. Mac's parents, her brother and sister-in-law, lived right next door to them. Mac was in and out of their house all the time. She was like a second mother to him. She grieved his death. As a child, I would see her walk by her desk, touch that picture, and she would murmur, thank you. I'm not sure why she did that. I don't know why she was thanking him. All I know is that she never stopped remembering him. Well, my grandmother's been gone a long time now, but I keep that picture on my desk, that young Marine in that great cloud of witnesses. And when I walk by, 
I remember, and I thank him too. Well, today is All Saints Sunday. It's a day in the Christian calendar in which we remember those who had an influence on our lives but are now in the church triumphant. I value in particular the tradition we have in this church where we celebrate All Saints Sunday by reading names and and viewing pictures of those members of our church who have died in the past 12 months. That act of remembering is so important because it brings them close to us and helps us to acknowledge that they continue to be a part of our lives and a part of this community of faith. Now, Barbara Brown Taylor, she's one of my favorite authors. Barbara Brown Taylor says something that I firmly believe in. She says that we humans have a need to remember those who have died, to acknowledge the gulf between the living and the dead, and then to reach across it, to recognize and celebrate those who have gone before us. Now, the writer, the writer of the New Testament letter to the Hebrews uh, understood that. Uh, he was writing to a people who perhaps more than anyone in history needed some encouragement. It's the end of the first century. They're facing fierce persecution from Rome. They're fearing for their churches. They're fearing for their safety, the safety of their family, fearing for their own lives. They need encouragement. There's not many of them. And those who were there, poor, weak, increasingly despised by other people in their community, and now Rome considers them a threat. And who do they have to turn to? Jesus is gone. The apostles are dead. So the author of Hebrews in the 11th chapter reminds them of their ancestors and of their faith stories. By faith, he writes, Abraham and Sarah moved and Moses led. By faith, your people passed through the sea. By faith, Gideon, David, Samson led, fought, and followed faithfully. By faith, your own fathers and mothers persecuted, tortured, martyred, and yet they endured. And then, and then, he, then he has this amazing idea in chapter 12, absolutely amazing. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. The writer of the letter of the Hebrews was reminding them, and I think reminds us too, that a lot of people have come before us, faced darkness, struggled with enemies, both real and internal, doubted and questioned and experienced the absence of God. Even Jesus voiced it's so terribly and eloquently from the cross when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They all struggled, and they are all there for them. The great ones, the small ones, the famous ones, the quiet ones, the ones they knew and lost and still mourn, the ones they never knew, they're all there for them, the writer of Hebrews reminds them, for they are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. We are also surrounded by all those who prepared the way for us. We are surrounded by all those we've loved and have lost, the great cloud of witnesses. I love that image, this great cloud around us of people 
who continue to support us. This church, surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, those who used to sit in these pews and have entered into the kingdom, those who preached from this pulpit, those who used to play the organ, those who sang in the choir, those who taught our children, visited the sick, wrestled with finances, they have all entered into that great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, encouraging us, cheering us on to be faithful in our day and reminding us to run with perseverance the race that's set before us. They are our communion of saints. And each of us has our own personal cloud of witnesses, our own personal communion of saints, our parents, maybe grandparents, aunts, uncles, our teachers, our coaches, our mentors, friends near and far who inspired us and loved us enough to expect much of us and prodded us to be all we can be. They are a presence in our lives, still a presence in our lives. They endure. Now, if you're my age, or maybe a little younger, a little older, I don't know if you've noticed uh, that as you become older, you seem to be in a relationship with those who've come before you. We say things like, oh, now wouldn't he be proud of you? Or we say, well, wouldn't she have loved those grandchildren? In a way that suggests that he somehow is still proud. And she somehow, in the mystery of God's love, still loves those grandchildren. As if they've never left. And have you noticed that as the years go by, you know and understand your parents just a little better? In Mitch Albom's bestseller, The Five People You Meet in Heaven, the main character, Eddie, a maintenance man at an amusement park, dies in an accident, ending a modest life in which he felt trapped. He goes to heaven. He meets five people who show him how mysteriously yet profoundly his life was intertwined with the lives of others, some of whom he didn't even know at all and some of whom he knew intimately. One of those five is his own father, from whom he was alienated by a lifetime of neglect, occasional violence, and finally, a terrible silence. Once when his father was drunk and raised a fist to strike him, Eddie, a strong young man, fought back, and his father simply stopped talking to him, ignored him. But Eddie never stopped wanting or needing his father's love. But neither man broke the silence. In heaven, Eddie learned why his father was the way he was, learned about his father's courage and loyalty, and finally learned about his father's love. Eddie was given an opportunity to forgive and to reconcile. Now, I, I, I will tell you, Album is no, is no theologian, but I think he writes beautifully that this is a part of what the notion of communion of saints is all about. Relationships do not end in death. And for some, it's important and healing to keep on working on unresolved issues, unresolved conflict, learning to accept and forgive and reconcile with a parent maybe, or a child or a friend. The communion of saints is an attempt to put words to a reality that you and I are never alone. That we are surrounded by the loving presence of the one who created us, 
and the loving, encouraging presence of those who've gone before us. And today, today is a day to remember them and to thank them. All those who've lived and died, who have fought the fight, who persevered, kept the faith, kept the race. Your personal saints, the ones who loved you, and the ones before them whose love lived in them and came to you, your saints, the ones whose faith and love inspire your own to be strong and brave and faithful even in dark days. It's a day to remember that the final mystery of our faith for which we stretch to find words big enough is that nothing of love is ever lost. That God's love is not confined to one lifetime but is eternal, that God's love for the world and for you and for me was there before we were born and will be there for us long after we are gone. It's what old John, the Christian leader in exile on the island of Patmos, facing his own death, meant when he wrote these beautiful words, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will pass away. So this morning, in this time together, I invite you to offer a special prayer of thanksgiving for a person or persons who are now part of your communion of saints. Thank God for their influence in your life. Thank God for those whose influence you may not even realize because nothing of love is ever lost.